Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
daily living It's not easy, a man can get confused With the mad demands of constant giving We feel unblessed just like we're being you When the need of life is a hectic
standing in Jerusalem. Repentance, joy, and knowledge are her adornments, her refrain. The candle yet upon her, the foundations deep remain. And feel so small beside her, though she's all that does remain. Though she's all that does remain. Travelers near her Taking pictures Going home Never see her sorrow No, never hear her moan I've been to her midst darkness And I almost passed her by mm, And I'm mistaken
Ay, 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 ay,
J.M. and the A.M., we call that the Elul Nigun. Yeah, even in Cheshvan, you can play the Elul Nigun. That's uh, Eitan Katz. Usher Sharf and Sons with Eloka. You heard the, the Moshav Band with Come Back. Kotel Song, done by Diaspora. The Chevra with Amaju. Ufaratzda, Baruch Levine. Regesh, Modani, opening things up. And we say good morning. Ufaratzda was part of the um, 9 at 9 last night. Right? Wasn't it part of the 9 at 9? I'd have to go back and look at some of the tweets from last evening. He did a great job, yes, he's wide, counting down the top nine at nine. Oh, did he do a good job? It was a pl- I love listening to uh, brand new shows, and uh, he really hit a home run last evening. For an hour, every uh, Tuesday night at nine o'clock, we count down the top nine based on your votes. Yeah, how amazing is that? It's based on your votes. Um, so the top song was a selection from Yummy Lowy. I'm just looking at the tweets from last evening. And um, a lot of great selections made it into the uh, made it into the top ten. We tried to retweet everything that Yussi was tweeting during the show. Hmm. I'm trying to find out where the uh, the more recent tweets are. How does this thing work? <laughs> Anybody know? Anybody have any idea how this Twitter thing works? <laughs> because I'm having trouble finding those tweets from last night. I know that the uh, Ufarat. <laughs> I'm trying to actually. I'm trying to act actually. Uh, let's see if this does it. No, I don't know why. All right, anyway. Uh, I believe somewhere in that top ten was the uh, Ufaratsa selection done by... Uh, oh, yeah, here it is, number four. Number four last night in the nine at nine. I keep saying top ten, it's top nine. Uh, Baruch Levine's Ufaratsa, and you heard it this morning in our first half hour here at JMN. And by the way, voting is already open. If you go to NahumSiegel.com, go to the nine at nine tab at the top. Uh, voting is already open for next week's nine at nine. Anybody who uh, emails us before 7 o'clock next Tuesday night with the exact 9 at 9 for the week. And now it should be easier. Now that you saw how week 1 went, it should be a lot easier to determine the the week 2 outcome. If you get it exactly, you get a Samsung digital camera from our friends at Adorama. That's how it works. And uh, congratulations to Yossi's Wag on the inaugural edition of uh, Top 9 at 9. It was a lot of fun listening, and I'm sure, especially now that we know, that it is based exclusively on the votes of our listeners. We had over 500 voters. You'll notice once you voted once from a certain computer, the message will indicate that your vote is not being counted a second time. The message is that your vote was already counted, meaning the first one that you ever did. So use your vote very carefully before you vote. Check out the list at NahumSiegel.com, the top nine at nine page, and then decide which song you want to vote for. Chaim and the AM at 22 minutes before 7 o'clock. I was uh, saddened, to say the least, early this morning when I learned of the passing of Mr. Gene Singer of the Lower East Side. I cannot possibly, and, and our condolences to his daughters who um, who lost their father last evening to, uh, to Faith and to Sharon. Our condolences uh, from all of us here at Jam and the AM. 
Uh, Gene singing, I try to, um, I try to capture the life of somebody after they're gone and to try to be as accurate as possible. And here is what I posted earlier this morning on Facebook. I wrote, Gene Singer of the Lower East Side has passed away. A Jew who would never back down in the face of the enemy. May his memory be a blessing for all of Israel. And I think that says it all. He was always out there fighting for the Jewish people, fighting for Israel, fighting for the right causes, fighting with tremendous Jewish pride in everything that he did. And we will miss him. He was sick for the last while, and uh, he has been taken from us. So those of you out there who knew him, I'm sure you uh, are saddened with me on the passing of Mr. Gene Singer on the um, a Lower East Side of Manhattan. A funeral today at 12, uh, I believe at 12. A funeral today at, let's be accurate about this, funeral today at, yeah, 12 noon at Adas on East Broadway, Lower East Side of Manhattan. 52 degrees, cloudy skies, a high temperature of 65. We're at 52 right now. Waking up on a Wednesday morning, we're actually going to be uh, speaking about the topic of grief later on with Reva Judas, who's going to join us. Uh, she's got a support group uh, to mention on the air that uh, is noteworthy. Uh, later on, Yeshiva University students who recently spend time in Nairobi. Why? We will find out. They'll be joining us coming up later in this show on a JM in the AM uh, Wednesday. And uh, Rabbi Chaim Hagler, Yeshivat Noam, Bergen County, New Jersey. He is going to be in our studio later on as well. And uh, we'll find out what's happening at Yeshivat Noam coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. By the way, Ding originally was supposed to uh, be here yesterday and announced the lineup for the 2014 Haas concert. We mentioned that there was a strong possibility that announcement would be postponed. It is now scheduled for this coming Tuesday. It is now scheduled for this coming Tuesday right here at JM in the AM. Zedokem mit Islam habet. 
J.M. and the A.M. Aspakalaria with Kuma here on a uh, Wednesday morning broadcast. Rabbi's sons had Kula Mahuvim. Avramel, Avram Freed with Mind Fillin off of the Machaya CD. And Eitan Katz had that uh, Elul Nigun. Wednesday morning, 52 degrees, 62% humidity. Winds in northeast at 10 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high 65 and showers late tonight. Low 54. We've got rain for tomorrow with a high temperature. 60 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 86. Tel Aviv at 90. Haifa at 84. And a lot at 90 degrees. We're at 52 on a Wednesday here at JM and the AM. Coming up on 7 o'clock in the morning on this Wednesday morning broadcast. Don't forget that we have an amazing, and I mean amazing, network of programming that uh, continues all through the day at NahumSiegel.com and JMandTheAM.org. And you are invited to check out our brand new schedule. Today on Wednesday, something to talk about with Randy Wartelski follows JM and the AM beginning at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. And then listen up, Rabbi Chaim Hagler's brand new show, Rabbi Hagler from Elizabeth. We're going to speak later with Rabbi Hagler from Yeshiva Noam. But Rabbi Hagler of Elizabeth has a show called Listen Up, 10 o'clock Eastern Time every Wednesday morning. And then, of course, we get into the Z-Report live lunch. I'm sure Yassi Zweig will have plenty to talk about regarding the top 9 at 9 from last night. And our music mix continues throughout the entire day. Uh, our Wednesday music mix with a big thank you to our friends at Koren Publishers. And uh, we recommend that you check out our uh, network online at jmnam.org. Check out our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. Check out Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net. There's plenty to check out and a lot going on out there that I could tell you. Cloudy skies with a high of 65, 7 o'clock in the morning, and this is... America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Our listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Oneg Shemesh was here earlier in the week. On Monday, we did a live music alert day as uh, Oneg Shemesh performed live in studio, spoke somewhat about Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach, whose uh, 19th yard site is coming up a week from Sunday. And we spoke about... Uh, Growing up on the Moshav in Israel and being the product of Kalbach parents, so to speak. Uh, it was very interesting. If you missed any of it, check out the archive section of jmnam.org. Also, it was an amazing, and I mean amazing, musical performance by Oneg Shemesh. He was on this past Monday, really on. So if you missed any of it, check out the archive section, jmnam.org. You'll be glad you did. Golly, it's in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up and then plenty more. Reva Judas will join us. We'll talk about Nahama Comfort, which is a, an organization that's been helping a lot of people for a long time. Then we'll talk about uh, visiting Nairobi. Why would Yeshiva University students visit Nairobi? We'll find out. And Rabbi Chaim Hagler, Yeshiva Noam, is expected in the 8 o'clock hour with us here at JM in the AM. Ding was scheduled originally for yesterday with the big Hask announcement. It'll now take place Tuesday, <laughs> a week from yesterday. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in זוכה פרס נובל בכימיה הישראלי-אמריקני אריה וורשל מספר לגלי צהל בריאיון ראשון על המחקר שזיכה אותו לפני שעה קלה בפרס היוקרתי בעולם. הבשורה היא שיש פרוטאינים לא יכלו להבין איך הם עובדים. מה שאנחנו עשינו, בנינו מודלים במחשב שהם מספיק חכמים שאפשר להשתמש בהם להבין מה הפרוטאין עושה. שאם אתה מבין, 
אתה יכול לרפות הרבה מחלות. מחלות באות מזה שפרוטאינים מסוימים לא עובדים כמו שהם צריכים לעבוד. בריאיון ליעל דן בתוכניתנו עושים צהריים הבהיר וורשל בן 72 שגדל בקיבוץ דה נחום ולמד בטכניון ובמכון ויצמן אך גר בארצות הברית בארבעים השנה האחרונות אני בהחלט מגדיר עצמי גם ישראלי אני בחלקו ישראלי ברור, אני מבקר בארץ, אני מרגיש ישראלי הילדות שלי מדברות עברית ובל העניקה את הפרס לוורשל במשותף עם הפרופסורים מרטין קרפלוס ומייקל לויט שהיה גם הוא חוקר במכון ויצמן על פיתוח מודלים רב-ממדיים להבנת מערכות כימיות מורכבות. for the development of multi-scale models for complex chemical systems. שרת שרפות בכמה מוקדים ברחבי הארץ בשל תנאי מזג האוויר. ליד כפר סבא נשרפה כבאית במהלך דליקת קוצים. דליקות פרצו גם בשטחים פתוחים באזור ירושלים, קריית ביאליק, ואדי ערה, קריית טבעון, בעמק חפר ובאזור בית הלל. בכל המקרים אין נפגעים. כתבתנו הדעה שטייף שמרה את ראש אגף המבצעים בשירותי הכבאות, תפסר בכיר אייל כספי. כל שמונת מטוסי הכיבוי כרגע עובדים בכל הזירות, כמו כן עושים מאמץ גדול כדי להשתלט על השרפות האלה. חשוב להבין שאנחנו היום במזג האוויר קיצוני, איכות נמוכה, רוחות מזרחיות חזקות. אנחנו מבקשים מהציבור פשוט להיזהר בכל שרפה קטנה ולהתקשר מיד 102. למעלה ממחצית מהציבור מעידים, אנחנו מודאגים מהחיים שלאחר היציאה לפנסיה, כתבתנו יונה לייבזון. על פי נתוני הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה, 61% מהציבור מעידים כי הם מודאגים שהכנסותיהם ביציאה לפנסיה לא יאפשרו להם לחיות בכבוד. על פי הסקר, בקרב בני ה-20 ומעלה, ל-82% מהציבור יש הסדר פנסיה כלשהו. בפילוח לפי אופי העסקה, ל-86% מהשכירים יש הסדר פנסיה, לעומת 58% בלבד בקרב עצמאים. מזג האוויר חם מרגיל, סכנת שרפות בכל רחבי הארץ, בסוף השבוע כבר תהיה ירידה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין.
JM in the AM, Ari Goldwag, I'm Echad uh, from the uh, title track, actually, from his most recent CD here on a JM in the AM Wednesday morning. That's Ari Goldwag. Before that, the uh, Kol Noar Boys Choir with Kulanu, off of their self-titled CD. Wednesday, JM in the AM with 52 degrees, cloudy skies, and a high temperature of 65. Want to wish a mazel tov to... Um, uh, Jackie and Robin Muchnick of Lakewood, New Jersey, celebrating the bris of their grandson. Mazal tov to Jackie and Robin Muchnick, Lakewood, New Jersey, from all of us here at JM&AM. And, and a refuah shlema to Dovi. Refuah shlema Dovi from all of us here at JM&AM. Coming up in hour number three, Rabbi Chaim Hagler of Yeshivat Noam is going to be stopping by JM&AM. Uh, 7.30 this morning, right after Rabbi Goldwasser. Students of Yeshiva University who were recently in Nairobi, Kenya. No joke. Why? We'll find out. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll be satisfied with the answer, but we'll find out certainly. Coming up on a JM in the AM. Unbelievable dedication to some of these uh, students in our community is just incredible. And we'll find out more coming up. I want to thank Yossi's Y. Great edition of the Nine at Nine last night. An inaugural edition of the Nine at Nine. Congratulations to Yummy Lowy. We should get that song on the air, the one that ended up at number one, Mia Deer. See if we can get that on at some point today. And you can already vote for next week's 9 at 9. If you go to the top of NahumSiegel.com, you'll see the tab where you can vote and participate in the uh, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., 9 at 9. Simple as that. And we encourage you to do so. It's a lot of fun, and uh, Yessie's Wag proved that last evening. Ari Boyanju, he was spectacular earlier in the week when I saw him at the uh, Hollander wedding at uh, at the Sephardic Temple with the Neshama Orchestra. Here he is at JM in the AM. <laughs>
a.m. in the a.m. Kumi Roni is done by Ari Boyenju here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Reva Judas is with us live via telephone. I know Reva Judas a long time. I know her wonderful husband even longer, and I did not realize the uh, amazing work that she is doing with an organization that she founded and an organization that's having international impact. It's called Nahama Comfort. Reva Judas, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Everything is great. It's wonderful to speak to you. I was glad to read about the work you've been doing all the way since the mid-1980s. Explain to our audience, what is Nechama Comfort? Nechama Comfort is an organization that helps all family members that have experienced infant pregnancy loss any time in their lives. Uh, we work with families who with early miscarriages through the age of one. Wow. Uh, and by the way, those who uh, are wondering about the timing of this conversation, October, and believe it or not, you know, every uh, every cause has a month that they use for their own distinction. October is Infant Pregnancy Loss Month. Uh, and we'll talk about the event that's going on that people can participate in as well. So how does the organization uh, help people? What is it that's been set up over all these years that have been there after someone suffers a loss like that? Well, it began uh, in 1987 when uh, Danny and I lost our first son. He was 12 hours old. It was a time when there was really no support, secular or Jewish. Philosophy was just to go on. And Baruch Hashem, we have four healthy children, two grandchildren now. Wow. And we went on, but the loss was always there. And we were always searching for help. And I felt after many years of being the unofficial go-to person, people would call us in secret that they had a loss. You suddenly became experts in the area, huh? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Uh, unofficially, just experience gave us our expertise. Right. However, I uh, taught early childhood at Mariah for many, many years. Now I'm working for New Jersey Yachad. So it's always related to children, but this loss is always in the back of our minds. And I became uh, trained in the field. I was a cha- I became a chaplain in uh, 2009, and there is an organization called Resolve to Share in Wisconsin, the only organization that trains people to be infant pregnancy loss facilitators. Hmm. What does it stand for again? Resolve? Resolve through share. Oh, through share. And it's through the uh, Gunther Lutheran Hospital in Wisconsin. And there are many organizations like A Time, like uh, High Lifeline, but nobody that specifically works with these type of people. And we formed the group. It became a once-a-month support group that meets in Teaneck at Holy Name Medical Center, and through word of mouth, and people started finding out about us. And we do many things. We arrive at the scene if we hear about the loss immediately. We help the couple, give them the choices what to do next. We don't tell them what to do. We just give them the choices. After studying many years with my father, uh, who's a rabbi, Rabbi Green, who helped me study all the halachas, we realized there are no specific Jewish laws. Many of them are just customs. So when you have a baby, even under 30 days, you can still uh, bury the baby, put up a matzeva, put up a monument. Right. In other words, different parents are going to handle it differently and will want to handle it differently, and you're there to help guide them. Right, right. Uh, Reva Judas is with us live via telephone. Best uh, uh, way to get in touch with her, by the way, and the organization, Nechama Comfort, is Comfort at gmail.com. Nechama, N-E-C-H-A-M-A, Comfort 
at gmail.com. Do you include rabbis and medical personnel in the support for the families? Yes, we talk to all the rabbis. It's open to all denominations of Judaism. We speak to hospitals, doctors, Hever Kadisha, Yoetzet Halachot, and we really work with the entire family, grandparents who are younger now than ever, siblings. We also offer very important uh, community awareness programs now. We find that um, we get phone calls from friends, family, what do we do? And we try to teach them that you treat it like any other loss. Right. And we guide the community. We do many programs all around the country, Israel. I've gotten calls as far as Hong Kong. Unbelievable. Um, oh, we mentioned that October is Infant Pregnancy Lost Month, and there are events that are going on to, um, uh, to uh, 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 in regard to the... Uh, uh, to that distinction. What is happening at Holy Name Medical Center on October the 20th? Many places across the country have what they call a walk to remember. Uh, unfortunately, many of us uh, who have experienced losses, as well as my son, we, I also had six miscarriages. Mm-hmm. There's no really mourning period, so we get together uh, on October 20th, 1 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. We actually don't walk far. We just walk around the hospital. Uh, we have official speakers. It is open to the public, so there is a representative from each type of religion. I speak on behalf of the Jewish religion, but everybody's welcome to say something. And we plant, every year we plant uh, a bulb, a tree, and it's amazing because during Hurricane Sandy, the one tree that stood in front of Holy Name Medical Center was the tree that, that we planted <laughs> the year before. Wow. Is the, and I, I know this is somewhat of a, a rhetorical question, but maybe you could expound for us, and that's why I'm asking it. Is the walk helpful? Even years later, is it a helpful exercise to go ahead and participate with a group of people like that? So it's amazing. People, you know, Nechama Kaffer has been written up many places. People stop me on the street that say, you know, I just read about you. I just heard about you. I had a, I lost a baby 60 years ago. 6D. Right. right. Wow. And, and it just, I remember my grandmother, who, who had also had lost a baby, until the day she passed away, was always searching in the cemetery where her baby was buried, and that was about 70 years. So uh, it is so helpful to people. And even when people... Say to uh, uh, I'm okay. We know they're really not okay because you need to mourn. You need to remember, and you can remember in silence at the walk, or you can remember publicly. And uh, people look forward to this walk every year. On October the 14th, there's a community awareness event going on in Edison, New Jersey, sponsored by the Kreitman family. Tell us about that. Well, uh, the Kreitman family I was introduced to two years ago when, unfortunately, they, uh, their daughter and son-in-law had a loss. And Baruch Hashem, she, uh, they have delivered another healthy baby a few months ago. Well, and that's must... another thing. We stay with the families forever through the subsequent pregnancies. And many of our uh, participants, many people who have come to us for comfort, want to give back. And that's another way to help deal with their situation. So uh, the Kreitmans have graciously offered to do a community awareness fundraiser event. Uh, the, the organization, we realize, needs to be taken to another level. We have many, many uh, things that we want to do to help, and it's time to start raising awareness and funds to, to help people as much as we can. And the event is going to be an awareness of uh, infant pregnancy loss as well as how people can get involved and help. 
and it'll be this Monday at the Kreitman home on Marshall Drive. Um, I can give a phone number to anybody who's interested. It's 732-819-9642. All right, it's happening this coming Monday, October the 14th, 8 o'clock in the evening, a community awareness event down in Edison, New Jersey. Nahama Comfort brings it to you, and it's sponsored by the Kreitman family. Again, uh, those who are in the... Uh, uh, local area up here, the Holy Name Medical Center will have the walk on October the 20th starting at 1 p.m. And uh, everybody, especially community leaders, rabbis, Rebitson, uh, Rebitson's uh, medical personnel, if you are not aware of Nechama Comfort, here's an opportunity to become aware of it, and especially those who are involved in the area of childbirth. This is a, a great opportunity to learn about a support group and organization that is there for people who suffer these types of of losses. Best way to reach Reva Judas is nechamacomfort at gmail.com, N-E-C-H-A-M-A comfort at gmail.com. And again, circle October 14th down in Edison and October 20th at Holy Name Medical Center uh, for those two events that are happening this month, which has been, de- a dis- which has been designated as Infant Pregnancy Loss Month. Ariva, anything you want to add? I just want to say that we are here all the time. You can also reach me by phone, uh, 201-692-9302. And we're here to help everybody. And even if your loss has been many years ago, or unfortunately, if it will happen, we hope not to get any phone calls or any calls, but we're here for everybody. And we want to know that it's not a si- it's not to be silent and that it's important to always remember. And there's never a day that goes by that we don't remember our son, but it's important to know that you can go on, and it could be placed in a spot in your life that will that will work for all of you. I am sure you are helping a lot of people in ways that you may not even realize. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, good luck this month with the events and with the organization. Thank you, Nachum, so much. A pleasure. Reva Judas, information, uh, best way to reach her, and the best way to get information about Nechama Comfort is Comfort at gmail.com, N-E-C-H-A-M-A, comfort at gmail.com. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonishmas HaRav Zev and Rav Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on Simcha, True Happiness. We learn in Perkyavos, Ezehu Asher, who is truly rich, Hasamech Bechalkoi, the person that is happy and satisfied with his portion. A Kamtsun, a miser, who was very rich, once passed by a palace. The palace had a curious sign in bright letters. It said that any man who is happy with what he has and is satisfied, he can receive this palace as a present. Someone who is shakua, immersed in the vanities of this world, cannot be truly happy because there will be many elements, physical, spiritual, and psychological, that will hold him back. The Chaste Hashem brings a moshul, a parable, of a king whose son became depressed. The king called in many doctors from his kingdom, but no doctor could heal the prince. After some time had gone by, a doctor came from a faraway land. He spent many long hours examining the boy. He said that he did have a refua for the prince. He suggested that the prince should wear the clothing of a person who is truly happy. The king sent his servants to a few of the very wealthy people in town. He thought for sure they are happy. 
However, the wealthy people told the servants that they weren't really that happy because they had many different daigas, many worries. They were always worried about different aspects of their business, the fields and the real estate that they owned. The servants then went to other important people in town. These people surprisingly gave very similar answers. Finally, they went to some poor shepherds. They said, we are truthfully happy. When the servants asked them for a cloak, they said they didn't have one, because then they would have to worry about keeping it clean and not losing it. The Medrash Chachamim asked the most interesting question. In our Mishnah, why didn't Ben Zayma simply say, one who is content with money? Why do we use specifically the word Asher, or wealthy? The answer is that Asher is an acronym, Enayim, Shinayim, Yodayim, and Raglayim. Enayim, eyes, are for learning, to look at others favorably, and to use our eyes in the proper way. Teeth, Shinayim, are to speak well of others, are to eat only kosher. Yodayim, our hands, to give tztaka, to help others. Finally, raglayim, our feet. Feet to take us to the proper places, to go to shul, to yeshiva, to the seminaries, in order to learn, and in order to do good. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. Here we are on a Wednesday morning, and you'll never believe it. There are two people in this studio who spent five weeks of the summer of 2013 in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm not kidding, folks. Chani Shalmoni, who comes from Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and Avital Levine, who comes from Springfield, New Jersey, are both in our studio this morning. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. They are students at uh, Stern College, or Stern-Sims combination, um, and um, for some reason, they wanted to spend some time in Africa. And of course, you know the big question, the big question is why? Why would, why would young people in our community who have uh, so many things to do and could be involved in a million different types of projects, uh, why would they be interested in spending some time in Nairobi Kenya. Hani, are you going to address this first? Uh, yeah, sure. Go we've, ahead. We've gotten that question quite a few I times. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Namely from my parents. Um, well, one of you I read actually wanted to go since you were a little kid. Yeah, I'll be tall I've heads. always wanted to go since I saw a documentary. and it but, really you, but you saw a documentary about Africa. What I would did. Be, what would be in that documentary that would fascinate you to the point where you want to travel there? Well, I was talking more about HIV and AIDS, right. which coming from sort of like a medical background and like what I want to do for the future, it really assured me that HIV and AIDS, which I was, you know, kind of interested in, it sort of propelled me to go there because I was really interested. And and check it out firsthand. Yeah, I definitely wanted to go and see what was up and to see what we can do to help. Connie, what was your... uh impetus to head on over um well we the two of us with you know a group from yu went on a service learning mission to nicaragua last winter and it was the first humanitarian mission i'd ever been on and it was just for a week it was a teaser and that was probably the way it was intended and just quickly the types of things you did in nicaragua Mm -hmm. were we built a library really Um, yeah that stands today uh, well, it has a solid floor right. that will allow people <laughs> you to stand in a very sturdy room. Yes, yeah, so it was more about right. education, right. about volunteering, and it just kind of 
got me and Avital interested yeah. in doing more. It we was just def- wanted yeah. more of it. It was just six days. It wasn't enough. Right. It was a crash course, essentially, and yeah. it sort of gave us the taste. And But we wanted more. So the day after we came back, I was sitting on Hani's bed, and I said, I'm going to Africa. And she's like, <laughs> with what program? I'm like, I have no idea. She's like, when are you going? I'm like, well, I don't really have that planned yet. And she's like, well, I'm coming with you. So and we decided to go since then, and we stuck to it. People made fun of us. People there was a lot of skepticism. There were, there was, there were the many least. naysayers, but this ended up being an official program. Am I right? It like, was. Yep. But did you know about that? If, when you declared you're going to Africa, nope. did you know that this program existed? No. You then started to research. How can I get there? Yeah, it was a lot of research because logistics-wise, there's a lot to plan. Right. Being Orthodox girls going to a country where we were probably the only Orthodox girls. Right. So. I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, we really had to sort of do a lot of things on our own. And the day I was going to book another trip, someone told me about um, a program that her friend went on, who was Orthodox and religious, and he was able to do it. Able to do it. So we also got in touch with him, person. and we got in touch with him, and we skyped with him, and we asked him a bunch of questions for a very long time, and he answered all of them, and he assured us that it wouldn't be as difficult as we thought it would be. All right, so does this end up being an official CJF Center for the Jewish Future trip or not? No, Nothing no, no. to do with CJF? We joined a local program in Kenya. Right, and the only reason that this all happened was because of the CJF experience yes, down in Nicaragua. definitely yes. sort of so they So the YU official... Um, organized trips ends up getting you interested in this type of stuff and then yes. you on your own find a way to expand your horizon so Absolutely. to speak. Absolutely. And yeah. more importantly than that it taught us how to volunteer. You right. know there were like a lot of problems that came up that we knew how to address only because of the rigorous yeah. hours of training they put us through. Right, understood. A lot of professionals I guess or some professionals dealt with you, guided you, explained how yeah. things worked and then you, know, you weren't left blindly to go and pursue right. this yourself. It yeah. gave us the foundation to right. really go forward. Sani Shalmoni, Avital Levine are here. Okay, so now it's day one in Nairobi, <laughs> right? Now, oh, man. <laughs> that was an interesting day. I, that was, to say the least. What day of the week was it that you land it in Kenya? the, the latest. for Shabbos. And you landed on a Friday. Late, late, late Thursday night. Late, oh, late Thursday, Thursday night. night, okay. Yeah, but it was so, very late. Okay. There were like two Jews in the house. People have never met Jews before. And we had to start keeping Shabbos, lighting candles, saying Kiddush. And then a few days later was Tisha B'Av. We were just But, really but who confusing. are the people you're staying with? I mean, who? where are you? What What it are the was, accommodations? So the co- accommodation was in a place called Kikuyu, which is a suburb of Nairobi. And they don't even know what Judaism was. Well, a, lot of the, sure. <laughs> a lot of the volunteers in the volunteer house didn't even know what Judaism was. Because a lot of them came from the northern parts of their country right, but, where but, there's not a lot but of But let me ask the question that everyone's thinking right now. Yeah. Forget about knowing about Judaism. They know about uh, domestic living. They know, you know what American standards are in oh, terms absolutely. of... absolutely. Yeah. That, that, okay, so that, yeah. you're going to you're yeah. a major city where they get all that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because they have so, a lot of volunteers coming, so by now they okay. understand where we're so coming from. So now who are your hosts and who are the people that are now you know, going to take care of you, so to speak, over the next few weeks? So the we have a house mother, right. I guess, and she cooked meals for the other other volunteers. The Kenyan dorm she, counselor. Yeah, sort yes. of. <laughs> it was her like seminary. Daughter. She was like our madricha. <laughs> she was our aim by it. <laughs> and I guess you're preparing your own food. Oh, absolutely. And, th- and things yeah. like that. It was a bit of a struggle in the beginning because 
she's a very strong Kenyan mother, so she wanted the kitchen to herself, <laughs> and she wanted everything sort of her way and perfect. And that was a little bit hard to accommodate because we have a lot of accommodations to accommodate. <laughs> That's for so sure. So we needed to like <laughs> ima- like imagine on Friday we have to tell her that we have to warm up meals and right. we have to use her kitchen. She was a little bit like, "What are you talking about?" So it took a little bit, but we got um, our own. I guess Burner a gas. Um, right. They 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 got us a cooker, a, a, cooker, oh, a cooker on the floor. It's like a, a a can of gas with some a fire thing on top. Yeah. Right. And you turn on the gas right. and then you light it and um, it was sort of a few feet off the floor. So every night I was sitting there like stirring the pot, like sitting, sitting on, on the floor. floor. I called it my kosher corner because it was sort of a corner of the kitchen that I was able to cook in. I mean, did they leave a heat source on for you over Shabbos as well? No. No. That no, they no, wouldn't no. do. No, but we actually went away for Shabbat to uh, the shul there. Three out of five. Um, of those weeks. Shabbos, we were we joined the Jewish community in Nairobi. Okay, because Nairobi has a Jewish community. It a does. A tiny <laughs> one, but a fascinating one. I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, speaking with students of uh, Stern College who spent five weeks this summer in Nairobi, Kenya. So I don't know where to bounce back and forth from. There's so many things I want to ask you, but let me start <laughs> with that. What's the Jewish community of Nairobi like? So, going into it, we didn't really know if they were a real thing. Judging from the website, it was just a little ambiguous. But once we got there, we uh, somehow connected with them. We set up some sort of meeting. Um, And when we went there, it was so beautiful. They have a complex in the heart of the city, right next to the university. Uh, Under the jurisdiction of... Jews, the Jewish leadership. Yeah, yeah like Jews. the only Jewish leadership. We're not there. talking about Chabad. We're not talking about it's people who came from other countries. Right. We are talking about Jewish leadership of Just Nairobi, Jewish Kenya. Jewish people yeah. in Kenya, right. and it was fascinating. And you met how many Jewish people in Nairobi, Kenya? I wouldn't say more than fifty. Yeah. I would say about 50. It's a lot of Israeli men doing business there. Uh, who live there now. Yeah. Who live there and now. some families who work some for the U.S. Uh, the embassy there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so was it possible to grab a kosher meal at someone's house? Or that's impossible, basically. Not not I mean, by your standards. Logistically, it was difficult because no one lived next to the synagogue. Right. So they accommodated us with giving us an apartment right. uh, next to the synagogue on the You were complex. in the hospitality suite yes. of their own yeah. and your Jewish really, community. It was a beautiful <laughs> were very welcoming. <laughs> and to come from where we came from in Kikuyu, which is a nice volunteer right. house, but no Jews. And then every Friday, we ha- we went straight from the medical clinic in Kawangware. We went straight to the Nairobi. Hebrew because that's where your volunteer work was done? Yes, in Kawangware. In this medical center? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that means that you're doing what type of work? Um, there's a lot of basic observations. We learned stitching. We helped um, labor of some women who were giving birth, and there was a lot. You're of ready to be a doctor? Sort of. It was. <laughs> it was really well, kind of. It was really great experience because a lot of the people that are there, they're not super equipped with American education. Right, I can so. imagine. I mean, you're a New Jersey kid who's been to a doctor's office, so could, you, could you compare what their system is like compared to what you're used to as a patient? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the, the cleanest and hygienic of places to sort of operate your medical clinic, right. but because it was sort of in the middle of a slum, so... There were goats and going in and out. Are and you serious? Ab- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was very uh, Africa. We're not joking. <laughs> it's like what you imagine Africa to be. It was be. exactly what we thought so, it would So be. if a kid breaks their arm or needs stitches... Penicillin. They, they, that automatic. <laughs> Everything is treated with penicillin. different amounts of penicillin. <laughs> but, I mean, can someone set an arm properly? Can someone stitch someone up yeah, properly? Yeah, yeah the doctor there well, is properly trained. You can stitch now. So. Even you could stitch. <laughs> yeah. I, I w- could stitch an orange and a banana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> a human being is the one that you're working on. Sort of. Banana has, like, similar skin, so we were able to gauge uh, what it would feel like. 
Unbelievable. Really yeah. So, uh, aside from goats, are there any <laughs> scary animals running around? If, if, if you think of Africa, I sometimes think of rhinoceroses and uh, oh, they're on the safari, safari for you know. So that's nowhere near Nairobi. That's in Masai Mara, a little bit farther. Did away. Did you do any traveling there? Yeah, we did. We did a safari for a day and a half. We went to Mombasa, a Muslim beach town, pretty close to Somalia. Um, it was fascinating and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Were you able to stay in touch with people in the United States? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so the agreement I had with my mother to come here <laughs> was I was allowed to go if I emailed her every day. I can't say Once she a got day an email. email every day, right. but it was almost every day. It was important to both our parents to mm-hmm. keep in touch. Well, I'm sure I would suspect. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was like the one condition, we have to be in touch with them. Get your immunizations there. and let us know that you're alive. And were you guaranteed that you'd have service to send emails every day? We were told that there is a mall about 10 minutes from our medical clinic. So going there, we were able to use their Wi-Fi. We can get some Coca-Cola and we were able to sort of um, sit there and be in touch with our parents and our families. Is it safe in Nairobi? Can you walk the streets? Yes, yes, yes. I felt very safe. It w- it's kind of like Times Square, I would say. It's, it's that ca- busy? In Nairobi, it is. Yeah. I mean, for Nairobi, Nairobi it's city, that yeah. busy. In the city. You feel pretty safe, especially in light of what just happened there. Right. Um, it's not oh, yeah, a you're war-torn. the experts on current <laughs> events. That's right. I, I'm listen, sure you were there, right? We no, were th- we weren't there during the time. Not well, meaning, oh, you mean you in Westgate. Yeah, we've been to the mall. So you know exactly what's going on. To us, it seems like such a... You know, a an, a, an event happening. We, yeah, we were there. We were seeing right. pictures on the web now, and we were thinking we've had coke there. We've used the bathroom there. We've walked we've past had the Wi-Fi families. It was crazy, really, to see the pictures online, and really, sort of, it really resonated in us that we were there, and it was it was crazy to see but the pictures. With that, it's pretty safe there. It's not a war-torn right. country. There isn't crime everywhere. We felt safe all the time. Right. As as brutal as this was, you would consider an yes. isolated yeah. incident. Yes. Um, <laughs> Khani Shalmoni of Crown Heights and Avi Talavin of Springfield, New Jersey are in our studio. They went on a CJF, Center for the Jewish Future Yeshiva University program, excuse me, program to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. They took that six-day experience, decided they wanted to expand on it, and spent five weeks this past summer in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, doing a lot of volunteering. Uh, I, can I assume that you saw some very desperate medical situations? If Absolutely. You're in, yes. Such as? Such as people who don't, didn't have the money to get proper medical care would go to this really gracious doctor, Dr. George, who was sort of our head doctor there in the clinic. And as um, collateral, I guess, like they would give him their identification, their ID cards, and then th- if they couldn't pay, they would give him the ID cards, and then they would come back with the money and collect their ID cards, and he would show us a box. It was only about a few months' worth, but it was literally a box of ID cards, and people weren't able to pay for their medical care, and the doctor is um, paying thousands of, hundreds of thousands of shillings a day, which is about 85 shillings to the dollar, and it was crazy to see because people really are in desperate need of medications, but they can't pay for it. What is Dr. George's background? Is he from Kenya? He's from, Kenyan. Yeah, he's Kenya. He he's studied abroad. Um, and he comes school. back and he, he helps He comes back people. and he helps, yeah. So it was so That must be learn. a lesson in and of itself. Absolutely. It is. He, he's a volunteer in his own place, and that in itself is... You know, yeah. very inspiring. Unbelievable. Um, so when you talk about not being able to afford medical care, I would guess you met a lot of people who can't afford anything. Absolutely, yeah. Wh- whose standard of living, how would you describe it? They live on a dollar a day. Simple as that. that. So that's 
that's pretty much not what anyone in this country lives on. The poorest well, right. people here <laughs> mm-hmm. can get a few quarters. Right, which means that they have what type of housing, what type of clothing, what type of basic necessities. They don't have houses like we have here. They live in, I, I wouldn't say mud huts, but they live in shacks, I guess. Shacks. Um, they sell fruits on the streets. I mean, they, they do take great pride in their business. So even near where you were? Yeah. There, yeah. there are shacks there? Yeah. Yes. About 10 minute walk, there would be fruit vendors and sellers and um, well, we would buy the fruit from them, but it was it's hard to see Kenya being in because uh, in like next to our volunteer house, that was where it was. And are there millions of children around? I mean, usually you go to poor. They go areas. to school. Right. You know, it's not it's not like you walk down the street and there are like thousands of children right. following you, and it's it's not exactly. That's not like the that. African scenes. It's that not we the African <laughs> picture <laughs> that everyone's expecting. <laughs> I mean, when you do walk down the street, they say Mazungu, how are you? Um, mm-hmm. Mazungu means white person, so <laughs> we were like celebrities in the slum that we worked in because of your color. Because yes. we were white, uh, they would come over. They would, you know, uh, fist bump right. us. Fist bump, I guess. Yeah, and. Um, there, you know, most of the children, there are private schools and there are public schools. They have, you know, politics and education as well, just like we do here. Uh, when we went there, the teachers were on strike and there was yeah. no school because they weren't getting paid. Right. Um, they have similar issues to, you know, what we experience here. Do you see a lot of American products on the kids? Are they wearing American T-shirts? Are they sporting logos that we would be familiar with here? Like Yes. Yeah. I imagine because a lot of people donate, but it right. actually gets there. Like when we saw people with time. Tums, we you know we were pretty Tums meaning the antacid thumbs? No, no, no Tums, Tums, Tums shoes. shoes. Ah. It's like you buy a shoe. Oh, everyone's going to make fun of me all day for that <laughs> No, you, you know what Tums does, right? I have no idea. Oh. You buy a pair of shoes. <laughs> right. Um, and they, when you buy a pair of theirs, they send another pair to a child. Uh, or country. Uh, so they, of course, end up there. Yeah, yeah. but like... It's it's actually you think of it true. as like a concept, and then right. when you're there, you actually see it in right. person. Yeah, we we saw people with like Harvard Harvard sweatshirts and like Cornell T-shirts, right. and it was pretty funny. But so the Ivy Leaguers are sending stuff over there. Oh yeah, and they're probably or they've been there and they leave their clothing. Like we were encouraged right. to leave things that we didn't need right. with them. And at some point during the trip, you probably said to yourself, "I don't need this as much as I thought I do." Right? Exactly. Yeah, it was definitely a learning experience in that way. You sort of look at your life and you. How, uh, just to give everyone a perspective, may I ask your age? I'm 22. Right. I'm 21. Okay. So now at your age, what? Do, how has this changed your life? And I'm not talking about, I'm not specifically addressing, you know, meeting people who are in dire need, helping them out. That, we applaud you for, for what you've done. It's amazing. And knowing how you represented the community there is, is fantastic. And the international Jewish community, in my opinion, benefits from from missions like yours. But my question is more philosophically. What did you know? What exactly what I mean? What did you learn about life? What did you learn about our spoiled American existence oh. when you were there <laughs> in Nairobi? It didn't even take time. We just landed in the airport, and I started thinking. How badly do I need the camera that I really wanted to buy? <laughs> An iPad? Like, all of this sounded so, so superficial. And, you know, when, you, when you're when you working with people who, like, you're not supposed to eat it in front of the children there because they don't get as much food as you can afford to buy. So if you have a snack in the medical center, you should not eat it you in front of them? You should eat it in private. Yeah. Holy cow. And yeah, we also I'm, worked in yeah. the orphanage, and it was the same rules. Like, we didn't want to eat in front of the children because they got their food and we got our food, and... We didn't want, you know, them to feel like we're showing off our food in front of them. Right. So if someone skips lunch in this country and they feel really hungry, 
toward the latter part of the day, it's you're saying to yourself, like that. you have no idea <laughs> what real hunger means. I mean, I, I became the old grandmother that says, when I was in Africa, <laughs> if a kid got his hands on an apple, he would eat every piece of it, not take a bite and throw it out. Right. So I, I did become that old lady All in right. my family. Oh, gosh. Unbelievable. Yes. So now you're giving everybody moster. <laughs> exactly. What was the, I, mean, I sort of asked this earlier, but I didn't, I, what was the most difficult medical situation? In other words, not just that. Oh. I mean, there, there must have been people in. There real were a few. There were. Tell him about. Well, the, I mean, did you uh, did you feel were, did you feel like yourselves desperate one of those days where you wish you could have helped this person and they were just beyond help? I mean, was that was there anything? Yeah, like that? there was actually a case. Um, there was a man who came in, Philip. He was about ninety years old, a very very old sick man, and he had uh, cancer in his abdomen. Mm. So he went in for an operation, and it was a botched surgery. <sighs> So he uh. comes into the medical clinic, and there's post-operative infection, like, all in his stomach. And Ay. it was pretty early on in the trip. So up till then, we didn't really see too much. But when he came in on a Friday, and there was... I mean, I'm not going to go into too much yeah, detail. Yeah, I can understand, but it was a real learning <laughs> it experience. It was a real... There was... I dealt with Philip a lot, and a few days later, unfortunately, he passed away. And so, when I heard so, about it, I it mean, was really you're, you're going to head to medical school, I assume. I'm going to nursing school. Nursing school. Yeah. At this point, are you much better equipped than your colleagues, would you say? I mean, I don't really know their equip- like what, what they're super equipped with, but I would say for myself, going to Kenya really, really helped with my skills. I was able to really work one-on-one with doctors there. I was able to do a lot more than I'd be able to do here because right. of all the bureaucracy. And before you even walk into a hospital, you need to get a background check and you need to get all these medical forms and stuff. And... Going into Kenya, you pretty much walk in and say, what can I do to help? And they give you a lot well, of stuff Well, even here, do. those who have become emergency room doctors who are trained in, you know, really rough parts of town, yeah. they say, get much better experience than those who are, you know, in the rich areas. It's yeah. true. It's so true. look where you were. I yeah. mean, this is, would you go back to Africa? I think so. We're planning a trip now to Southeast Asia and Cambodia. So we'll see if it works out. <laughs> we'll see if it works out. I, I would go back to do, Africa if I didn't want oh. to see the rest of... The, world, the rest the of the world. world. Right. Yeah. Well, do me a favor. Uh, not not that I have a right to ask this because I'm not your parents, but try to email me every day if you don't mind. <laughs> if you go to Southeast Asia. We'll, we'll include you in the group email. <laughs> Thank you. We're alive. Did we'll, you, we'll did, you keep, you. <laughs> did you keep some type of journal or some type of online presence so people could... So th- we actually did. We um, Well, we each wrote... Did you write a journal? Um, I wrote a little bit. It's, it's hard for a me little to journal. Bit. Yeah. But more importantly, we took a video. Ah. Uh, um, diaries. I think every week. About every week. About once a week. We Are any of those available to the public, or is this stuff that remains with you? We could um, make it available. I guess, yeah. We can yeah. make it available. I mean, I think it would be fascinating. Yeah, we uh, interviewed some doctors we were with, the, the people we met who were absolutely fascinating. You know, the other European volunteers who lived right. um, in the volunteer home. We had some of them in the videos. Uh, we met two other Jewish girls. One that has been to How? So one of them is um, one of the CEOs of the biggest volunteer organization in Kenya. And that's called? Network for Volunteer NBS. Services. Wow. NBS. And when we heard about her, before we went to the place for Shabbat, like we called her up and we're like, we're going and you're coming with us. And she was so excited because she's been, she was in Kenya already for weeks and she hasn't seen one Jew. She hasn't really had like one full Shabbat experience. She was really so, overwhelmed at the Shabbat table. Yeah. She just couldn't <laughs> believe the amount of kosher <laughs> around <laughs> her. Going into shul was very emotional for her. She just couldn't believe she was seeing like... Very overwhelming. <laughs> yarmulkes everywhere. Unbelievable. Are you aware of the fact 
that there are Orthodox doctors from our community in New York and New Jersey who travel to Africa to do medical procedures, operations. I mean, yeah, I, I I'm aware you, of some. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. Well, Dr. Silverstein. Yeah, there was a doctor there. Who, uh, when you were there. Yeah. He worked, I think, in Nairobi Hospital. And before we went, we were in touch with him and his wife mm-hmm. saying we would love to meet you and love to come over. So on Friday when we went to shul, we didn't, we weren't really so much in touch with them once we were there because it was harder um, to be in touch. But once we were in the shul, we look over and there she was, um, Dr. Silverstein's wife. So we were able to talk with her. And, and do you know how long he spent there doing oh, his work? A lot of years, oh, like decades. Permanently? <laughs> yeah, he permanently lives there. Unbelievable. He was the personal um, doctor to the president for a few years, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Unbelievable. Uh, well, ladies, what can I say? I think that the people like you are amazing representatives of the Jewish people. Oh, thank, thank you, you. So much. Just incredible. How many fellow students of yours from both the Stern and Yeshiva College have now expressed an interest in going to Africa, or has nobody? <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. saying, we wish we had the guts to do what you did. Um, I think our our job at this point is just to empower other students and say, right, and if it's not we there, did it, you could do it. Right. And if it's not there, if they're not ready for Africa, maybe somewhere else. Right. right. Well, you know, we, we, we definitely encourage them to take a formal CJF trip or some other Jewish organization right. that they can Where learn their needs through. are taken care of yeah. and they have proper A lot of training. the skeptics before are now believers now. So it was you know, great to hear from them and them to sort of change their mind and see, you know what, maybe I can do this. and to sort of inspire other Jewish girls or, you know, Jewish teenagers in general to really go out there and chase whatever dream that they have, and nothing really is impossible. So. Are you also pursuing nursing or medical? Uh, I'm in business school. Business school. <laughs> but I'm a yet, management major, so. There, there are business models that can help the people of Africa. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are. There definitely there are. There are a lot, of, uh, a lot of efforts that are going on from Hollywood and other places that yeah. are trying to help out over there. Was there a big kiddish in Springfield and Crown Heights when you got back? We had to bench Gomel. <laughs> that was we our kiddish. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> so our weeping parents I were imagine. there to greet us. They we were alive. And they were very happy to see you at the airport, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah, very happy. Is there a direct flight from Kenya to New York? No. Oh, no. How many, how many planes are you on? Well, this is after the airport hours. burned Say down. The airport burned right. down in Nairobi a few days before we flew out, but... Um, we ended up getting back. We went through Amsterdam, almost missed our plane there because of the, the delays fire. from Nairobi. Yeah. And then Amsterdam to New York? Yeah. And then Amsterdam to New York. And kosher kosher meals, beautiful <laughs> kosher meals on both flights. Oh, wait a second. So for those who complain about airline meals, <laughs> oh do God. not complain. <laughs> it tasted like a gourmet meal. Oh, like a my goodness. Course. Oh, my gosh. The, cordon, the one Jew that went to the Cordon Bleu <laughs> cooked our meals and put extra love and care into it. Unbelievable. Uh, Khani Shamoni and uh, Avi Talavid, thank you so much for joining me here thank this you, morning. Thank you for having us. Unbelievable. Very inspiring uh, 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 young uh, ladies, everybody. I hope you heard the entire thing. If not, check out the archives later on. Uh, these two ladies, uh, Khani and Avital, spent five weeks of the summer of 2013 in Nairobi, Kenya, not only as uh, representatives of their uh, school and families, but as representatives of the Jewish people and did an amazing job with a volunteer effort that you heard was quite challenging, but one of great accomplishment. It is a Wednesday morning broadcast, and this is JM in the AM. Shem 
Two minutes after 8 o'clock, this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdm.org. What a delight meeting these students from Stern College and they're hearing their story of their adventure to Nairobi, Kenya. Unbelievable. Kudos to the CJF, the Center for the Jewish Future, and Yeshiva University. Just amazing work with these students. Not just in Kenya. There are a lot of students who travel to other parts of the world and, of course, parts of the United States volunteering and helping out as well. And to all the schools out there that have implemented programs of travel and programs of uh, of assistance and programs of Kiddush Hashem like this, call it a vote from all of us here at JM and the AM. Cloudy skies with a high temperature of 65. We're at 52 right now. Coming up at 9 a.m., Randy Wartelski with something to talk about. The uh, The discussion today on technology and how it's changed our lives. Technology and how it's changed our lives. Rabbi Chaim Hagler from Breweria High School has a program at 10 a.m. this morning entitled uh, Listen Up. And uh, today he uh, speaks with a gabai. He is highlighting some of the Jewish heroes that are behind the scenes in our community. And today he speaks with a gabai who... um, a sexton who takes care of the uh, religious needs of a synagogue and community. If you missed our live music alert Monday with Oneg Shemesh this past Monday, check it out. He was brilliant on air. He was just his performance on air was amazing on Monday. Check out the archive section of jmnam.org. Also, Ding uh, postponed the big Hask announcement. Instead of yesterday, it's now officially Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, the lineup for Hask 2014 to be revealed right here at JM and the AM, so make sure to be tuned in on Tuesday morning for that. Rabbi Chaim Hagler of Yeshivat Noam is expected this hour here at JM and the AM, and plenty more coming up between now and 9 o'clock. Keep it at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org.
J.M. and the A.M. Aryeh Kunstler Modaani. Wednesday morning, well, we promised Rabbi Chaim Hagler would be here, and sure enough, he's here. Yeshivat Noam is a um, a school in Bergen County that we uh, have been big fans of from the very first day. I think the first day started with a grade or two. We'll find out in a minute. But that was a long time ago. Now Yeshiva Noam at uh, West Century Road in Paramus, New Jersey, is quite a facility, quite a school, and very, very large. And this coming Monday night, you're all invited to their open house. Uh, starts at 7.30 in the evening. Rabbi Chaim Hagler is the founding and current principal of Yeshiva Noam. Rabbi Hagler, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. You know how much pride I take in what you've done from day one over there. Day one was what, two grades? Was it... Uh, Day one, one was a nursery, pre-kindergarten, and kindergarten. That's it. It's a three grades, essentially. In September of 2001. And today, the open house is what? Uh, nursery through eighth? Everybody? Uh, we, we do not have a nursery anymore, but it's a pre-kindergarten through eighth grade. All right. Then anybody who would fall into that category is welcome to come and see what it's all about. You, I, I would guess, you, and those who've seen it, those who've driven by it, those who've had any reason to be in your parking lot, they have seen this amazing facility that has been built in Paramus, New Jersey, and it's only how many years old at this point? Um, there's two parts to the facility. Uh, the, one of the parts we've been in for about seven years, and the other part we're in our third year. Are we complete now? We are complete. This is it? This is it, thank God. But yeah, <laughs> It sounds like it was a long project. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but but as you've seen it, it's really uh, came out amazing. Oh, it's unbelievable. You have an incredible building. I'm sure the kids love it. It's a great facility. I'm sure the teachers love it. They do. They have everything they need, right? Exactly. Everything. Look, it's it, bottom line. It's a building, but it, the learning environment is important and enhances the quality of the education. Uh, what would you say the mission of Yeshivat Noam was when you started? And would you? Would you, I'm already getting you prepared for the open house. And would you say that you've basically stayed on that course and have accomplished that all these years later? I would say 100. Um, percent You know, when we first started, we sat down and then we needed to write a mission statement. We needed to define who we are, and I've told this story many times, I'm not sure if I've uh, shared it with you. You may have been but, um, I, I was um, at one of the early meetings when we when we were first forming. They asked me to come to a meeting. This was the, about a year and a half or so before we opened our doors. And uh, to put some ideas in, together in terms of what our mission statement should be, uh, I was working at the time at another school, and I had finished um, you know, in the evening over there, and I sat down with a pad of paper, and I started to write some notes to put together of what I thought the, the, the principles of the school should be should be built on. Right. Um, and we, we worked off of that and created our mission statement. And um, just to carry it to make it easy, I stuck it in my wallet. And I, to this day, you have it. I think you've done that, this here before, right? I think carry that in my wallet, uh, that mission statement. And, I, and it's hanging literally when you walk into our school. We've revised it. We've looked at it again. We've had parent input. We've had board input, teacher input of looking at it again. But it still s- maintains the principles of who we are, the centrality of the child, understanding each and every child, making sure that every child is, is looked at, um, not just in terms of academically, but socially and spiritually and emotionally, um, academic excellence, and um, really what we've, what we've um, set out to, to achieve continues to be our goals today. Rabbi Chaim Hagler, Yeshiva Noam, he's here. The open house is Monday night in Paramus, New Jersey. Um, the uh, the numbers are are something that in our tradition we don't usually concentrate on, but there's a great curiosity, at least for me. We're over 700 students at this point, am I right? We are currently 827 students. 827? Yes. 
At some point during the summer, I thought you had said to me a number that started with a seven. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But you already this summer knew you'd be over 800, huh? Correct. Last year we were at 800, and um, we we did not expect to grow as as much as we did even at these you know at this point because we really are graduating so many students. But the growth uh, did continue. Is there more growth potential? I mean, is there room in the building? Um, well, there's look, there's always room for new children. I want to emphasize that point going into the open house, um, especially in the younger grades. Um, we have a graduating class, a large graduating class this year. Uh, about um, how many? About 80 students. Wow. Um, but there are some. There's some room in other grades as well, and um, there's room for probably another 20 or 30 students in the on the campus. All right. So if there's another 100 or 200 coming, you're ready for it. That's it. Simple as that. And uh, I read about this, uh, and I assume it's public information, yes. this amazing grant that was uh, uh, given to the school. And this is specifically in the area of technology to see the school advance when it comes to all the inventions that are now so common in the year 2013? Yes and no. Um, technology is, is a byproduct of, of where the grant is. The, the most important thing of the grant was to see us um, grow in innovation, mm. to make sure that we're exploring new ways um, for students to learn, um, that we're training teachers. In, in new ways and uh, ways to reach children and to prepare them for what we're referring to as 21st century learning so that when they come out of school they're ready and prepared for all the challenges of, of the 21st century um, technology is a big piece of it sure but it's not a primarily technology grant but well, what would be a good example then of you know trying to get kids uh, you know on the right road so to speak to gain the most from their elementary school education in this era I think um, things like teaching them how to collaborate um, you know, in almost every aspect of life and of, of the work field, people are collaborating and working together. Right. And uh, the only place you're not allowed to collaborate is in school because mm-hmm. we call that cheating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> group, really, group test taking is not encouraged. <laughs> right. But really, you know, teaching students how to work in collaboratively, how to research. Um, it's less about, you know, giving them information or them having to research, find information, and then what do you do with it? Right. And how, today the information is available at the snap of a finger. Correct. Correct. Um, how to be creative. How to be a problem solver. Um, those are some of the things that this grant wants to focus on, and, and how do we bring that into the schools and tar- start teaching the children that? And, and the grant is very focused on how do we train the teachers to be able to facil- facilitate that type of learning. Not to knock the schools we went to, because, you know, they, they did their job in that era. But, you know, where I went... If there was a guitar elective once a week, it was, you know, a revolutionary idea. You know what I mean? Now it seems like we're tossing a lot of different options and electives at the students. Is it like that at Noam as well? It is certainly the case. And, you know, you reflected on the physical structure. Right. I'm sure when you went to school, it didn't look anything <laughs> did like this. Look uh, like that. <laughs> as well, um, either in, you know, Baruch Hashem, that we are able to give our students um, really a, a, the highest quality um, education. And um, that's a wonderful thing that we're able to, and, and a gift that parents are able to give to their children. And um, the innovation slash technology grant that you mentioned, uh, we thank who for that? Um, Avi and Becky Katz um, are very, very longtime parents in our school who, um, who have a, a tremendous love for Jewish education, um, for Yeshiva Noam spe- specifically. Um, and are ready to really um, roll up their sleeves and get involved. They're incredibly involved, active volunteers serving on numerous different committees. And uh, this is something that they thought was important and, and wanted to um, to help us. So it doesn't sound like you and your board went to them, would you you know help us found this innovative idea? It sounds like they were involved in the, in the process of thinking of this and bringing it to the table. A hundred percent. Very well said. Which is unusual for, for lay leaders sometimes, right? 
Correct. It's not and, always, it doesn't uh, always work like that. Right, and Avi and, and Becky Katz are, are, are amazingly unusual people in that sense that um, they're coming to us and they're helping us. And it wasn't just a question of, of the financial gift, but they're putting their time and effort and resources into helping this grow and to, and to develop. They want to see this initiative work. It's as simple as that. Correct. What do you hear from the high schools about Yeshiva Noab students? What do you hear? I can tell you what a lot of people say about different elementary schools. As a reflection, they see you know, what high schoolers are equipped with in the Yeshiva high school system. What are you hearing back from Yeshiva high school principals about your students? Well, that's a great question, and I, I do meet with all of the high schools. Um, and I ask them that question, and I ask them for that for that feedback. Yeah, their evaluation, and, essentially. Right, and that's very, very important to us. And uh, the feedback has been excellent. Um, first and foremost, they want our students. They're recruiting um, Yeshiva Noam students in all of the high schools. Um, they're thrilled to have them. Our students are, are excelling. Um, they're not just surviving, but they're really thriving in high schools. And uh, that's really the feedback that I'm getting from, from the principals. And um, do you adjust, because I'm sure not every piece of feedback is always 100%, well, I shouldn't say not positive, but there's always, you know, there's always things that they bring to your attention, I'm sure. Or do you then go ahead back to your own school and adjust accordingly? You know, say to yourself, maybe we, in fact, should concentrate on this area more than others or things like that? The answer is definitely yes. Um, and not only from the high schools, we actually meet with our graduates. Really? And we ask them Meaning for feedback. as ninth graders? Or? Ninth graders, tenth graders. We have several reunions throughout the year. Hmm. Um, I do a, a, a tish in my house every uh, on a Friday night over several Friday nights inviting different grades back. Um, we have an alumni sleuthal program. We have a basketball tournament, a hockey tournament, a sleepover for the ninth grade girls. Um, and during those times, we sit with them. And sometimes we even ask them to fill out forms. You know, how are you most prepared? Um, what more could have we done? What are the areas that you're struggling in high school? It's interesting because our students go to a, a number of different high schools. We don't get one consistent piece of feedback. So we try to juggle that. And how do we prepare our students for, for the wider, for the range of the different high schools? It sounds like the, the old days. You're working 24 hours a day, basically. Thank God. <laughs> Plenty to do, huh? Thank God. No Here question about fun. it. Do you have a tremendous, and this is just a curiosity question. This is not a, this is not something I would ask at an open house, but I'm just so curious. Do you spend a good deal of the summer trying to find new faculty, or you don't need to, or or that's just the nature of the game these days in Jewish education? There's so much turnover, people moving you know back and forth from different schools constantly. Um, we do have turn- turnover. Um, I think it's minimal. Um, we you know overwhelming a majority of our faculty do do stay on from year to year. Is it hard to hold on to good uh, personnel? Um, no. Um, no one's we, making we, crazy demands. No one wants a Robinson Cano type contract. <laughs> thank God, not. <laughs> thank God, not that. Huh? Certainly not to that extent. Um, but um, but no, we we. we but know. there must be some teachers where you say to yourself, "I wish I could lock this guy in for ten years or this lady in for ten years." Like there's got to be certain people who uh, love many of them, and, and right. thank God they're staying. And we have teachers that are here, right. you know, for seven, eight, nine, right. ten years, and those are the really the great teachers, and those are the ones that we want to stay. Um, we have an amazing um, board of directors that's committed to giving us the resources that we need to keep the, the best teachers because ultimately that's what the school is about. Right. Yes, uh, um, the other day I was walking with my sons through the new TABC building, Mazel Tov to them, and, uh, and they're showing me how every room has these smart boards. And, you know, aside from that term, I have no idea how to refer to them. I assume they're all smart boards. So they ask me about my high school experience. And I say the big deal in my high school was when they eliminated the chalkboards and brought in the marker boards. That was like, you know, technology at its height. In this era where everything that comes out is obsolete tomorrow, right? 
is it impossible to, to keep up to date with the classroom the technological needs? It's, it's very difficult. It is very, very difficult, but thank God we have a really wonderful staff and a wonderful um, group of lay leaders that really help focus on that. We have over 300 iPads in the school. Um, over 200. That means during class they're being used correct. And, and kids know how to use it and all Correct, that. correct. Um, that really came from a, a gift from Dan and Marge Freed, um, who have probably, you know, single most responsible in, in getting us jump-starting our whole technology program um, two and a half, three years ago by bringing in the iPads into the school. Um, we hired this year a director of educational technology and innovation um, to really focus just on that area, making sure exactly what you said, that we're keeping up to date, we're training our teachers. And what does it mean? The infrastructure of each classroom can stay the same? It's just a matter of adjusting and upgrading and in terms of the smart board, you know, in terms of that in terms of that whole area. Is that all that's necessary? You just, like, there's different tweaking and different uh, upgrades that are necessary sure. to keep it up to date? Yeah, yeah. But, we, but you never have to replace the whole system, right? Like, it's not like that. You don't have to replace the whole system, but, you know, even though, you know, we're relatively new and right. when we built the whole, um, when we built our, our, our campus, you know, technology was already in place right. and and wireless was in place. And even this summer, we did a major upgrade to our wireless system so that every single classroom um, can handle over 25 wireless devices right. in every single classroom. And I guess if a teacher needs to search for something online in, in front of the entire class, they can just put it up on the board and the wireless works and they could do that. All they that could put it up on the board, but I'm going to come back to what I said before. I'd rather the students right. do the search um, with their handheld device, whether it be the iPad or the Chromebook that right. we have to put into their hands and to teach them how to do that search and how to, to share that information and to, to be able to learn from that information that they're gathering. Unbelievable. You fielding a good basketball team this year? We are. We're looking forward Who's to it. Coach? We have uh, we have we have several teams. We're you know the, the the whole sports league has grown tremendously. We have seven right. sports teams. What's the, um, most, what's the most obscure? Oh, now you can't you know, say it's, it's all the, in basketball ah, and hockey, okay. but just between different boys levels, and girls right. and different grades. Right. Um, we're very so fortunate. highest grade boys team basketball coach would be um, Ari Nat. Oh, very nice. Yeah, he's the um, he knows his X's and O's. Um, we, we're going to find out. We're going to When's find out. When's opening night? Uh, coming up very, very soon. You know, with all the Yom Tovim, it was very hard to do. So uh, we just finished all of the tryouts and uh, practices are going on. Is this something that you pay careful attention to or you're able to let go of that area? Um, I'm at almost every single game. <laughs> Um, road as well, or uh, road as well. If You're I serious? If you I travel with a team? If I don't have a meeting, if I don't have a meeting that night, I try to uh, to get to the every single game. Kids must love that. Uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> that I know, thing. but the kids must love yeah, it. Really, what's wonderful about it is there's just great spirit there, um, and it's great to see the kids in, the, in a different light. Yeah, and to true. interact with them, and you know, when they're on the court, and um, and you know, they're, they're just wonderful to be with. The parents stay calm at those games, or uh, you sometimes have to. We're pretty good. We're if, pretty good. You have to toss it a pat on the back and say, "Hey, relax out We're there." We're pretty good. <laughs> Look, you know, in some of those tight games, I'm getting a little excited as well. <laughs> you, I, you know how it is. <laughs> I know how it is, but I would I would suggest that you know how to control yourself. Some of the parents sometimes. We know? do. We have great parents. We really do. We really do. It's fun. Uh, unbelievable. And your focus on Israel. You were one of the first schools to implement a uh, trip to Israel that you did with parents years ago. I would assume it's still a major part of your curriculum. I'm sure this week's news and all the news from Israel constantly comes up in classrooms at NOAA. Israel Israel is a is a major part of curriculum. Even talking about the mission statement, that's really one of the principles of our mission statement, making sure that our, our students learn about Israel, understand the the deep connection that we as a Jewish people have to, to ancient Israel, to modern-day Israel, and develop that love. Um, for Israel and, and, and certainly something that we focus on throughout. We are having a trip.
Oh, yeah. Um, this coming January. I haven't had one for a few years. This is January vacation trip? In January vacation. Nice. Um, we're incredibly excited. Will it's, you be going on it? I will be, I will be there. Very nice. Um, and, and similar to the previous trips, it's, it's young families. Right. Um, with children in, in really from two to, to 12 years old. Um, and we really gear the trip so it should be fun for them. We want them to walk away saying, first and foremost, we love Israel. Um, secondly, we've learned a tremendous amount. They, they've expanded their, their knowledge and their appreciation for the land and the connection that it has to the Jewish people. Um, and then to eat some falafel and have some, and have a good time. <laughs> it's an amazing, really, really, we do have room for about one, maybe two more families. So people should Meaning just, Meaning it's um, almost sold out already? It's almost sold out. We had a meeting just last night. It's October 9th. I wish I would sell out my trips to Israel like that. <laughs> so for January vacation, just go on our website. You'll find information about the trip and just contact me or um, contract contact our, our travel agent. The information is right there, and we'd love to have you join us. All right, folks. Yeshivat Noam's open house is this coming Monday night. Uh, we congratulate Rabbi Chaim Hagler. We've been following Noam from day one. No joke. From before it was actually found. From before the first day when it first that opened up. That is true. Up. That is true. And uh, we congratulate you on uh, all these years. Really great accomplishments. And I look forward to my next visit. I'd like to uh, like to come by and see the students at some point. Well, we'd love to have you come by. And, and again, I want to encourage everybody to come to our open house this coming um, Monday evening. It's really going to be a really, really wonderful program. And uh, we have so many different sessions set up that you can learn about Yeshiva Noam, learn about um, our, our, our model of academic excellence um, we're going to have a chance to learn about the technology that we that we spoke about. Um, we're going to have a chance to see how we teach um, Chumash literally throughout the grades. And you can come into a session and see how how we take a, the similar psukim and, and learn in second grade and in fifth grade and in eighth grade and and the, and the high level and what we're doing in literacy. Um, we have over 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 thirty different um, enrichment programs that we offer. Um, throughout the grades, and we're going to be presenting that. That I didn't um, have in elementary school. Correct. Uh, we have 16 <laughs> different honor classes. That I didn't have in elementary um, school. And we're going to be talking about that and explaining how those work um, and why our students are scoring so high on standardized test scores, um, why their math skills are so strong, why their literacy st- skills are so strong. We want to give you a chance. We have a lot of teachers there, and they're going to be able to show you how we learn and what the model is and, and why it's achieving that academic. You asked about our graduates. We're going to have a graduate right. panel there. So we're finding a little bit old enough to have graduates who can come back. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and um, they're going to talk about their high school. And we're going to open up for questions. And we're going to ask you, go ahead, ask our graduates what they're doing. I'm going to be doing a session on, we, we've developed the six keys to success of why our students are successful in high school. And I'm going to be presenting that at one of the sessions as well. So uh, I think it's very, very worthwhile. It's going to be an amazing evening. And we encourage everybody to come. And also go to our website. They can sign up for a tour. And I'd be happy to, to show them around the school. Yeah, as if you could set aside about 90 minutes, you'll get a tour of the entire building. Right, that's we're going to put you on one of those tours, and then we'll have the Nachum Siegel tour. <laughs> but so, for, uh, for me, it would take about two hours to get through the building, unless you get me a Segway. That would be easy to get through. You we'll we'll have that there. We'll have that ready to go. Um, but we'll announce that, and we'll let, we're making an announcement right now that there will be one of the tours. Will be the Nachum Siegel tour. Interesting, boy. And we will uh, have Nachum Siegel there, so we'll we'll get that out and uh, give you a chance to sign up for that tour. All right, we'll have to arrange that this coming Monday night at seven thirty is the open house. You can go to yeshivatnoam.org. Yeshivatnoam. Org. They're at 70 West Century Road in Paramus, New Jersey, and I'm glad they're having an open house because since Rabbi Hagler works about 24 hours a day, it is impossible to reunite with him. But thank God we were able to see each other this morning. It's a rare treat for me. And by the way, let's talk about another reunion we had this week, Mazel Tov to Hollander. The wedding was spectacular, I'm sure you agree. It was It was really amazing, and um, so many people know Chaim. Oh. 
Um, so yesterday oh. in school, so many people were asking me, how was the wedding? How was the wedding? <laughs> and then my response was just, it, it, everybody was besimcha. Oh, everybody was so glad to it be was, there. Um, everybody was so happy for the chassan and kala. It was just so beautiful. And our chevra, essentially wakes up pretty early in the morning. All of us are up somewhere between 4 and 5 in the morning. And, and as much as we knew we had to leave, we were all reluctant to leave. And that's very rare for us. That is true. <laughs> that is true. It was just great. We were all taking it in, enjoying it to Shani and to Chaim Hollander. And the Marks and Hollander family will toss in another Mazel Tov this morning at JM in the AM. Rabbi Hagler, great seeing you. Good luck on Monday night. Thank you very much. JM in the AM. More coming up if you keep it at 91.1 FM. 90.1 FM in the Catskills on the web. JMNAM.org. And don't forget our friends in Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial.
From the brand new uh, Maccabees, that is the uh, the Maccabees, I should say, brand new from their uh, single that's uh, already a YouTube sensation to a degree. They call it Cups. It was explained to me yesterday why. We know it as Draw You Cry here at JMNAM. Shlomo Katz before that with Kavodo from the Mole Olam CD. It's a Wednesday morning broadcast coming up after JM and the AM. Randy Wartelski on the topic of technology and how it's taking over our lives. It's an encore presentation of a show she did recently, and you'll be able to catch it between 9 and 10 Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org right after JM and the AM. Uh, we've got Rabbi Chaim Hagler, the one that's uh, from Elizabeth, New Jersey, and the uh, Rabbi Hagler who's with Buria High School. Uh, uh, with the show called Listen Up, he's actually going to be uh, interviewing a Gabai this morning between 10 and 11 Eastern Time on our stream at jmnam.org. Yossi Zweig with a Z-Report live lunch coming up at 11. Uh, I'm sure he'll reflect back on last night's big uh, uh, debut of the Top 9 at 9, which takes place now Tuesdays at 9 p.m. And Yummy Lowy was the big winner last night. His uh, Miadir ended up in slot number one, we say. Congratulations. Mazel Tov to Tsuria and Svi Orlian of Beersheba, Israel, on the uh, recent birth of their daughter, Hod, and to grandparents, Esther and Mayor Orlian of Yad Binyamin, great-grandparents, Chaya and Rabbi Mitchell Orlian, and Ricky and Dr. Mordechai Konigsberg, uh, and great-great-grandmother, Rebetzin Libby Sharfman. Mazel Tov. Unbelievable. All these generations we get the uh, privilege, privilege of announcing on the air here at JM in the AM, and we spent uh, we spent Shabbos with the Konigsbergs. We spend a lot of time uh, whenever we get the opportunity with the Orleans, and we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Nineteen minutes before nine o'clock on this Wednesday, with fifty-two degrees, cloudy skies, and a high temperature of sixty-five. Showers late tonight, and it looks like rain for most of tomorrow. Low tonight, fifty-four to high tomorrow. 60 degrees. We're at 52 right now on a JM in the AM Wednesday morning. Benny Friedman at JM in the AM.
צרות, דאגות, החיוך נעלם, תראה רק שחור, כי גם זה יעבור, והכל יסתדר, כי השם יעזור. יש תקווה, נשאיר כולנו יחד, יש אמונה, חזקה מכל הפחד, לא ניפול, לא נרד, כי אנחנו לא לבד, יש לנו השם
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. 
Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Reminder, programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org, including at 9 o'clock, just a minute from now, Randy Wartelski with something to talk about, or by Chaim Hagler of Elizabeth, New Jersey, with Listen Up, coming up between 10 and 11. Yassi's Why, go off the very successful Top 9 at 9 last night. The debut edition will have a Z-Report live lunch with plenty of brand new music and concert information coming up between 11 and 1. And, of course, great music all day long on the stream at jmtheam.org. Org. And that should wrap up a Wednesday morning edition for us. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Until tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.